This podcast may contain explicit language. Welcome to the Dynasty Download, the show where we prove Dynasty League fantasy is the best form there is. I'm Tom Duncan. Co-host, Ethan Hamilton. And tonight we are recapping week three of the NFL Slate 2021. But first, a few housekeeping notes. We have our regular co-host back. Woo! <laughs> it's good to be back. back. Good to be back. Back in the saddle again. <laughs> if you'd like to contact the show or have a question for us, please write us at dynastydownload10 at gmail.com. If you'd like to be on our mailing list this year or going forward, please send us a note there. Also, you can now follow us on Twitter at dydownload2020, and you can find every episode of the show on dynasty-download.captivate.fm, which is getting a brand new podcast player uh, in two days' time. Finally, please follow, rate, and review the show so that more people can discover that Dynasty Fantasy is the best form there is. All right, let's get into the review of this week's games. We are still recording all of these before Monday Night Football, so we will review that on Thursday's pod, but... What was the biggest impression you had from Thursday night and or Sunday? Um, Sunday, I guess for me, the biggest surprise is the Chiefs are now one and two. Another big impression for me from this past weekend, kickers. There are like, what, six game-winning kicks? And Justin Tucker, my God. So, yeah, it was a fun weekend. Yeah, watching that thing live, and I, I couldn't tell what was going on when it hit the crossbar, and then it just caromed over, and you realized exactly what happened. Because I thought for sure, okay, if there's one kicker in the NFL that could make this, it's Justin Tucker. And I remembered a couple of years ago, I think it was like a Monday night game late in the season, he had won at Detroit with like a 61-yarder. So I'm like, okay, history is repeating itself in some manner or form. And then he goes out and does that, and it was just ridiculous between that. And then yes, we had multiple kicks actually going on in the dolphins Raiders game, which was a lot closer than I thought it would be given. It was Jacoby Brissett. We mentioned that game a lot on Thursday or last Thursday's pod. And then we ended up having a, a literally a kick at the gun of overtime in the red zone. I don't know why the Raiders ran it down, but it cost me uh, the points at the end of the game because it was a three and a half point spread. I wish they would have gone for the touchdown uh, on either occasion. Oh, well, such is life. But regardless, and yes, Green Bay's uh, last second comeback with 37 seconds left on their own 25 with no timeouts. Why the hell defenses keep giving up those plays in the middle of the field every single week? I have no idea, but I'm just elated that Green Bay won a game. I thought they had no chance in winning, let alone the fact that we lost a 17-point lead. And yes, I do say we lost a 17-point lead and then uh, somehow still won the game. Regardless, uh, I think some of my biggest impressions, though, are a lot of the backup running backs that had huge outputs in the first three weeks so far we've had a big game by Tony Pollard we had a huge game by Alexander Madison we've had now Latavius Murray's come forward Tyson Williams had a good game a couple of weeks ago then now he's faded and the running back carousel it just keeps going on and on and on for that matter even if you started like Sony Michelle in a PPR league yesterday you got decent enough points Trey Sermon had a touchdown you know, there were flex viable guys starting all across the league and some of the studs, save for maybe Derrick Henry and Aaron Jones so far this season, just haven't been there. 
Yeah, I can agree with that a hundred percent. It's, it has been, been weird. Dalvin for sure. He's been producing when healthy, but he missed this last game. But yeah, if, if you would have told me after three weeks, the way the fantasy points totals are with the running backs right now, the way they look, I would have called you a liar. I would have said there's no way in hell, but you know, the game is changing a little bit and we're really getting away from the whole, this guy is a three down back. I mean, Zeke is a prime example. I still think he's got a lot left in him, but you can't argue with what Tony Pollard's doing. You, they find they're finding a way to get these other guys onto the field and yeah, it's making the already thin elite running back pool even thinner. So if I asked you, I think it's obvious who's going to be the number one overall back so far in fantasy. But if I asked you who the top 10 were in fantasy points, who do you think would be near the top? Near the top would probably be Derrick Henry because of his big game that he had. He's the obvious Um, number one. He had 50 points in week two alone. Yeah. Um, Aaron Jones, I think he's got to be up there. He's had some pretty big games. Uh, Delvin Cook, I'm sure he's up there. Austin Eckler has had a lot of pretty good games too. So um, Eckler is number five. Aaron Jones is yeah. number two by product of the fact he had a four touchdown game. And then he had a touchdown in last night's game as well. Eckler is number five. I, I think I just said that. Uh, yeah. Oddly enough, Henry's Cook is not one. anywhere near the top. Uh, I don't think really? he's in the top 20 in overall points so far. Number three, DeAndre Swift. Really? Well, he had a big week one, if you remember right, and he had a big game yesterday as well. I think he had seven catches for like 60 yards. He had a touchdown in that game. He's gotten a lot of the basically Austin Eckler treatment for the guy that used to call the plays for these. At that time, it was San Diego, then Los Angeles Chargers. Now he's the coordinator in Detroit, and he's getting a lot of dump-off passes from Jared Goff. I think DeAndre Swift is going to be comfortably inside the top 10 for the year. And it's going to be a weird thing that he went number seven in our draft last year after guys like JK Dobbins, after Cam Akers, guys that are out and hurt after CEH, after Jonathan Taylor. And he's just producing right now for a team that's going to be constantly throwing the ball. I mean, for that matter, Jamal Williams isn't terribly far off either. I think he's number 15 on this list. Number four is Christian McCaffrey. Even with going down for that day, he was consistent, even though he had, didn't have some of these huge breakout games. That first game and that second game, he was still pretty consistent enough to get number uh, four on this list. Eckler, five. Kareem Hunt is number six. He had a big day yesterday. Nick Chubb, seven. Kind of where we figured they would be. They finished like ninth and tenth in our league last year. Eighth is Melvin Gordon. Ninth is Najee Harris. And number 10, Cordero Patterson. And that's for the entire season so far. That's crazy. That That's freaking insane. Yeah. So let's just quickly review the top tens for this week. And I will go in descending order. So the number one starting as the top guy on the list for this week per position. Let's start with quarterback. Josh Allen was the number one quarterback. Threw for four touchdowns, ran for one. Matthew Stafford, number two. Tom Brady, number three just continues to produce and he threw for over 400 yards in this game, ran in a touchdown as well. I think on a sneak, Justin Herbert, number four, Kirk cousins puts up another 30 plus point game. His third of the season in a row to start the season, Sam Darnold, number six, Derek Carr, number seven, Taylor Heineke, number eight, again, makes the top 10 after he did last week as well. Patrick Mahomes, number nine, Kyler Murray, number 10. Not some huge surprises with some of these names, guys that we would assume were going to be in the top 10, but just kind of the order is a little odd. 
Number one running back for the week, Peyton Barber. Who would have called that? Uh, Kareem Hunt, number two. Najee Harris, number three, with his over 100 yards receiving day. Alexander Madison, number four. James Robinson, five. Derrick Henry, six. DeAndre Swift, seven. Antonio Gibson, eight. Austin Eckler, nine. And Alvin Kamara, ten. At wide receiver, we had the number one overall wide receiver, and we talked about it a lot on our text chain yesterday, Mike Williams. Number two, Devontae Adams. Number three, Cooper Cup. Four, Deshaun Jackson with a couple of really big, long throws in that game. Uh, Justin Jefferson, number five. Manuel Sanders, six. DK Metcalf, seven. Jamar Chase, eight. DJ Moore, nine. And Brandon Cooks, ten. At tight end, we had, of course, Travis Kelsey, number one. Number two was Tyler Conklin. Mark Andrews, three. George Kittle, four. Mike Gusecki at number five. Dawson Knox, number six, primarily because he caught a touchdown. Tyler Higby, number seven. Logan Thomas, eight. Tommy Tremble for the Carolina Panthers, a name I never thought I would say on this program, number nine. And uh, Pat Fryermuth, number 10, a guy who also just simply caught a touchdown. Uh, biggest surprises, we kind of went through this a little bit. My number one, though, as far as just off the top of my head, who the hell had Peyton Barber playing that much for the Raiders basically signed off of Washington after they cut him and playing such a big role after they invested so much money in Kenyon Drake coming in in the offseason that everybody was scared away of Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs is out for this game. You assumed Kenyon Drake would get all the work. And then Peyton Barber comes in and runs for 111 yards. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> no, I don't. I can agree with you. Nobody saw this coming, to put it quickly and easily. Yeah, if Josh Jacobs is out for any length of time, and he may be, I mean, he he was questionable for this game. He was questionable for the last game, but he's been dealing with some injuries, and he's a guy that's been perennially hurt where he'll, he'll start for two or three games, then be out for two or three games. Peyton Barber might be the guy to pick up because, I don't know, Kenyon Drake might make my cut list. I might be previewing that before the end of the show. So what was your big overall surprise in that then? My big surprise was Deshaun Jackson making a resurgence. I feel like we haven't heard about him for a long time, and he played a very big role in the Rams' win against the Buccaneers uh, yesterday. Yeah, I realistically, the Rams love to take a lot of deep shots, and they love those speedy guys. They've had Sammy Watkins. They've had Brandon Cooks in that offense before just to take some of those shots, and they haven't had that player we saw it in week one with Van Jefferson early on that that was going to be their deep threat, but they really wanted Deshaun Jackson back, and this is exactly why. Matthew Stafford's not afraid to take the deep ball and take the roof off of the building, and he did it at least once, if not twice in this game, that really opened it up and made it that the Rams uh, were insurmountable after that point. Uh, my big disappointment of the week, after having such a big week the week before, Rondale Moore, 1.4 points total, only three yards rushing, one catch, I think, for like two yards. Uh, he just did not produce at all. Excuse me, two catches for one yard. Uh, he was not really a factor in the offense on a day where you had two other guys go for over 100 yards receiving, both Christian Kirk and uh, A.J. Green with a resurgence. Yeah, that one was interesting to me, but I think with Rondell Moore, you're going to expect a roller coaster type of season. There's going to be weeks where you're going to love him, but there's going to be weeks where you're really not going to enjoy having him on your team. And that's just the type of player that he's going to be. 
So as much of a disappointment it is, it's not super surprising to me either, but 1.4 points. Yeah, that's crazy. Well, and that begs the question, maybe we'll get to it at some point here, but what do you do with all the Cardinal wide receivers? If Rondale Moore is going to have a big game one week, but not anything the next, and this week it was Christian Kirk and AJ Green, but next week it could be Nuke and it could be Rondale. And the following week, it could be AJ Green and Nuke and, it's probably going to be two out of four guys. Do you really have confidence predicting which of the two of the four it's going to be on any given week? There's only one player in that wide receiver room that I have confidence starting each and every week, and I am lucky enough to own him. But other than that, yeah, it's going to be an up and down. I mean, I was on, if we remember last year, I was on the Christian Kirk bandwagon. I was super high on him and I have been honestly his entire career, but it's come to the point too, where it's like, he's going to have a couple of really good games, but he's going to have a couple of stinkers as well with AJ green. He's not the same wide receiver. He used to be back in Cincinnati. We all know that. So we can expect up and down games. I don't know, honestly, how much he has left in that tank, but it, 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 you know, it does beg the question, you know, how do you choose who else to start besides nuke? And honestly, I I think the best suggestion would be to flip a coin. (laughs) Yeah, because I don't think even the running or the cornerback wide receiver matchups or anything else, it's so unusual who Kyler decides to throw to. I think you start Kyler, you maybe start Chase Edmonds because he's been getting more run, although James Cotter had a good game yesterday, and then you roll the dice with whoever's there. You know, if you need a high upside player, play one of those guys. If you want to play it a little bit safer on a given week because you have a lesser opponent, Stay away from him. I, I guess that's the only way to play this. Uh, who was your big disappointment of the weekend? My big disappointment is Tyler Lockett. After coming off of two consecutive weeks of scoring 30 points, um, he only had five points this past weekend. Four targets, four catches for 30 yards. Uh, very, very quiet for somebody that is pretty much the clear cut. I think he's a clear cut number one receiver in Seattle. I know DK Metcalf is there. I know what type of specimen DK is, but I think Tyler Lockett is the clear cut number one. And it is super surprising to see him have such a horrible, horrible week. But, you know, you look back on his career as well, it's kind of been the same way. He puts up some really huge weeks, and then some weeks aren't as good, but five points, that's not going to cut it. No, and to be honest, this was the Tyler Lockett I expected when I put him on my guys to fade or guys who might be over the hill list early on in the preseason, because this was the type of thing. DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett apparently can't have both good games in the same way like the Vikings wide receivers can both have good games. It doesn't seem like every time DK does well, Tyler Lockett fades. Every time Tyler Lockett is great, then DK fades. And it's going to be that way all year. So you're going to have to pick your poison, unfortunately. I would probably bet on DK to be the more productive wide receiver just overall. But there are going to be those days. The first two weeks, it was the Tyler Lockett show. And then this week, it was DK Metcalf, and even in a loss. But I know he got hurt in that game, too, and we'll have to monitor that situation. I just don't know. I guess this is Seattle's proving, regardless of their offensive coordinator, who they're going to be. All right, let's get to something or nothing. I'll start with Thursday night football. We had the Panthers and the Texans. Chuba Hubbard, it unfortunately, was thrust into the position of being kind of the major backup to Christian McCaffrey. Something or nothing, him being uh, Christian McCaffrey's direct replacement with him being on the shelf for a couple of weeks. 
I mean, I guess it's something that he could be the direct replacement. I guess the real question is, um, is he going to be a productive replacement? Chubba Hubbard is somebody that lost himself a crap ton of money by deciding to go back to school his senior year. I think he was one of the top. If he would have came out, he would have been one of the top uh, running backs taken. I think it's he has a prime opportunity. I just don't know. I, I guess I just didn't see enough this past weekend for him. You know, 11 carries for 50-some yards. He's not as versatile as Christian McCaffrey, but, you know, he's only time will tell. But I think he can be the direct replacement. I just don't know how productive he's going to be in that role. I don't think he's going to put up Mike Davis-type numbers. I, it's hard for me to tell. So, first off, I think McCaffrey went out. I didn't watch uh, or wasn't able to watch that game because I was out on the evening. But I watched it in replay, and I, I believe that uh, McCaffrey went down about the end of the first quarter or so, and he had already racked up seven carries and I believe uh, two different targets uh, for two catches. So nine total touches. Hubbard for the rest of the game had 11 carries and was targeted five times for three catches. Now I said going into, I think it was our draft uh, mock draft situation that I thought he could be the closest thing to replacing Christian McCaffrey without directly replacing him. That being said, Christian McCaffrey is the best pass receiving back we probably have in the NFL right now. And it's probably not close. That is even knowing Najee Harris had 19 targets yesterday for what was it? 14 or 15 receptions. Those used to be what Christian McCaffrey would get rolling out of bed. So to expect somebody to directly replace that, not ideal, but he is going to be one of the hot pickups this week for at least the two or three weeks you expect him to be out because everybody's expecting this to be a Mike Davis situation. And I thought Hubbard was effective-ish. Again, it was the Texans defense, and you can roll up points on the Texans defense. It's a matter of what else the Panthers are going to do, and I think they're going to give more control over to Sam Darnold as things go along, being the number one guy, getting the ball spread out, trying to air it out a little bit more in a way that they haven't so far because they could rely on Christian McCaffrey. I don't think that the focus is or the focal point of the offense is going to be Chuba Hubbard in the way that it was Christian McCaffrey. So is it a direct replacement? No. Can it be a productive replacement? Yes. I still think it's something. Uh, DJ Moore's 36% target share on Thursday night football, something or nothing. Absolutely something. This is something that should have happened last year as well. He's the best wide receiver on that team feed DJ more. I don't know if it'll ever quite be that high. We saw some wide receivers so far in the first three weeks that have had ridiculous target shares for their team. But if he can maintain even 25%, he's going to be an elite level fantasy wide receiver. I say it's something as well. Uh, let's go over to the Colts and the Titans game. Michael Pittman's 33% target share, something or nothing. Man, we all know how I feel about Michael Pittman. Um, I'm really high on him. I really think that he can be a really productive wide receiver in this league. That being said, 33%, I just don't know if he's there yet to be the number one wide receiver week in and week out. So I'm going to go with it's nothing, but it is super encouraging. So if you have a chance to go out and buy Michael Pittman, I would go and find him wherever you can, especially if he's on the waiver wire somewhere. Make sure you pick up Michael Pittman. He's going to be the number one wide receiver on this team. I mean, we've seen it two weeks in a row where he got the large majority of the target share. But the problem is, is that the Colts' offense hasn't found first gear yet. And we're going to talk about that here a little bit more in a second. 
So is it a productive enough offense to be a great scoring option? No, but can, because of his target share and his level of volume, make it that he's a wide receiver three with flex upside? Absolutely. I think this is something. Uh, let's go then to Jonathan T- Taylor's struggles. I think you had posted a stat earlier this morning that he has less points in three weeks than Naheem Hines so far. Yeah, and I've been sending stuff too about Jonathan Taylor in the red zone too. He's had a bunch of carries in the red zone and yet to score a rushing touchdown down there. I feel like this is something. I traded Jonathan Taylor last year a week too early before he went on his little run, but that's all he did. He went on a little run. It was like four or five weeks where he did his thing. Before that, he wasn't doing very much, and since then he hasn't been doing very much either. If I'm a Jonathan Taylor owner, honestly, I would be a little concerned, especially with as hyped as that Colts offensive line is. I know they've been dealing with some stuff, but still, uh, you're one of the top running backs that was taken. You expect to see more. Granted, Derrick Henry did take a couple of years before he took off, but it's not encouraging, and I wouldn't be super excited if I put in a lot of capital for a Jonathan Taylor type. So first off, I think game script has really taken him out of it because they're having to play from behind in a way they weren't last year. That defense is not nearly as stout as it was last season. So I think that's contributed to it. Second, that offensive line has been decimated with injury. Quentin Nelson went out again yesterday. I think that for the first two weeks, they were without at least their first and second string uh, starting left tackle. So they've had some problems all along their offense. And for that matter, Carson Wentz has been operating at what, maybe 70% of health. So I just don't think that they've found their rhythm yet. They may be one of those teams kind of like the Ravens that, or for that matter, the 49ers this year, that is just going to be riddled with injuries time and time again. And so they're never going to completely find their groove. I think this is a talented guy, but right now it just doesn't look good for where he is in, in relation to what you drafted him at. And I don't know if you're going to ever expect to see him as the top 10 running back we came into the season projecting him at. Let's go then to A.J. Brown's hamstring injury, something or nothing. I'll make this really quick. Uh, Soft tissue injury, I I think it's something. I feel like it's something that he'll struggle with for the remainder of the year. Um, How much it'll hamper him will uh, remain to be seen, but most definitely it's something. Agreed. I think this is different than the knee injury that he played through last year and basically just didn't have surgery on. This is something that you can't really play with because there's such a discomfort or inability to run on it and make cuts. So I think he might be out for a few weeks and this might be a lingering thing that happens multiple times over the course of the year that it may flare up here and there. And we don't know. And that offense, save for Derrick Henry, just has not been humming. He has not been a productive player, particularly given what the hype was coming into the draft this year before they got Julio Jones. And then even after that, uh, I think he's unfortunately going to be um, kind of be one of the guys that is going to need a comeback next year because I, I just don't see it this year for him. 58 attempts for Big Ben and 19 and 15 targets for Najee Harris and Chase Claypool. Something or nothing? First and foremost, that's way too many attempts for Big Ben. That's just way too many. Uh, The 19 for Najee, that's super encouraging. If I'm a Najee owner, um, you see it kind of reminds you of the Le'Veon Bell offense 
that Pittsburgh ran back then. Uh, Chase Claypool, the 15 targets this week, that's super encouraging. But we know how Pittsburgh kind of does things with their wide receivers. I don't know if it'll be a week-in, week-out thing. So for Big Ben, I'm going to say 58. That's ridiculous. Uh, for Najee, I do think that is something because I think he's going to be a really big part of that offense. With Chase, I'm going to do that's nothing at the moment because that's a lot of targets, and I just don't know if he can maintain that throughout the rest of the year. I think the big caveat for this one, and which is why I'm going to say this is something and nothing, so it's something that Big Ben's throwing that much. It's nothing that you can expect the amount of targets that those two saw in this game. I think that the Steelers right now are going to be trailing a lot because that defense just has given up historically bad numbers so far. And there are a few defenses that we expected coming into the year that have just been bad. Like Washington has been historically bad, but this is who big Ben is. He's going to throw short. He's going to throw quick. That offensive line did not get any better. That offensive play calling did not change at all. We're just seeing exactly what we got at the end of last year. Now early on in this year. And the one exception we had was when they came back again against the Colts and I think like week 15 last year where they finally started chucking the ball long. But this week we had Deontay Johnson not even coming into the game. He was out and inactive. And then during the course of the game, Juju got hurt. So do I expect those two to see double-digit targets every week? No, but if you remember, if with the amount of throws that Big Ben was producing last season and if we can expect he's going to be this way again – you're going to expect at least three guys to get double digit targets because they're going to be throwing the ball all the time. And we're going to get an up close and personal view since they're playing the Packers this week. Jamar chases two touchdowns on the day and four touchdowns in three weeks, something or nothing. Uh, It's something dude's a real deal. Uh, We knew that coming out. Um, He kind of had just a really piss poor preseason, but you know, I've said it a million times with wide receivers. Once you stop thinking, and just start running your routes and just adapting, um, the game slows down and you make big-time plays. Um, he's a big-time player making big-time plays with his college uh, quarterback as well. Uh, this is something, and you got to be super excited for Jamar Chase's future. This guy has the potential, if he continues this, to be the next Devontae Adams or however you want to put it, the next Calvin Ridley, any of these guys that are constantly in the top five. I think – There was a reason that I had him number two on my board behind Kyle Pitts as rookies coming in this year for dynasty rankings. And he's proving me right every single week. Uh, I don't think this is going to stop anytime soon. And especially if T Higgins is going to be out any long-term amount of time, he's going to get a ton of targets. I don't care who he's playing. He's just producing. This is absolutely something. Trey Sermon, 10 carries and a touchdown against Green Bay, something or nothing. I think it's just kind of going to get better for him moving forward. That being said, he was playing against the Green Bay defense, which I think is not one of the better defenses in the league. But I do think that this was kind of a stepping stone game for the young rookie, build a little bit of confidence getting in the end zone as well. Um, The running back uh, room in San Francisco is not getting any deeper anytime soon. So he's going to see his opportunities more and more. So I think it is something. I'm very cautious. He did end up producing, but they were very slowly working him in. They gave a lot of carries and targets to Kyle Juszczyk. He was not the primary back on a lot of the passing down work. And this is a guy that you want to come in and basically be the primary back. And that just wasn't the case. Eli Mitchell is going to probably be back next week, I would guess. 
At worst, he'll be back in two weeks. I think he takes the primary back share again, and Sermon's kind of put in the periphery once again. And at some point, the the Jeff Wilson Juniors, the Jamichael Hasties of the world will come back. It's just a matter of when, not if. So I don't look at this as something at all. I look at this as nothing, unfortunately, because I had hoped he would ball out against Green Bay defense that I thought would be primed to give up tons of yards on the ground. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, six targets, including two in the red zone and nine for George Kittle, something or nothing. For me, this is kind of nothing because, like I said, I'm not super high on the Packers defense. So with Brandon Ayuk, I don't know. Uh, He'll have his days, but I just feel like with him and Debo, it'll be one or the other. With George Kittle, he's finally getting back to where he should be consistently as a tight end in this league. So for that, most definitely, that's something. I think that the 49ers are more varied, and we saw that a little bit last night with Trey Lance, even on the goal line. I don't think he's ready, but at about the point where he would be ready to start, that those guys are going to be extremely valuable because I think that if the 49ers could open up their playbook, that they have a lot of skilled guys. I mean, Ayuk's a very talented wide receiver. Kittle's a very talented tight end. Debo's clearly a talented wide receiver. Part of it was, is for the first time this season, they were playing from behind. So I thought game script wise, they had to throw and they had to target multiple guys because Debo was being uh, covered by Jair most of the game. Although he did catch his touch or uh, Ayuk caught the touchdown against Jair in the end zone there. So it's just a matter of how the game flow is going to be going. I do like the fact that he was actually playing. Uh, I think he played 60 snaps to Debo 63. So he was the primary second receiver on the team. That's encouraging. Kittle was getting the ball in big, difficult third downs for them to convert. I like that as well. I think this is something I just don't know how, if this is going to be an every week thing yet, I'd like to see it multiple times. Although the fact that their cornerbacks are all beat up and their defense is giving up points means they're probably going to have to throw a lot more than they have been the first couple of weeks. I think that that bodes well for both of these. If you have fantasy assets invested in them, Josh Allen, five touchdowns on the day, something or nothing. Something we know who Josh Allen is uh, one of the better quarterbacks in this league uh, for sure. An MVP type of candidate with a team that's looking to win a Super Bowl. So yeah, most definitely that's something. After the first two weeks, I was a little bit concerned. This basically erased it. I know he had to have that get right game against a really good matchup in Washington, but I'm no longer concerned. I would be more concerned for Stefan Diggs, but I don't think the concern levels are nearly as high as they were after the first two weeks when they were just having weird games. I, I just wasn't producing the same fantasy stats that you expected out of Josh Allen in this offense. Zach Moss out carrying and out receiving Devin Singletary, something or nothing. I think that's something I think um, out of between me, you and Ben, I think I was super or more high on him, Zach Moss and um, the two of you guys. Um, it is surprise, not surprising. It is finally good to see that he's getting the majority of the work. We knew Devin Singletary wasn't going to hold on to that job too much longer. So it's good to see that Zach Moss is finally doing his thing and getting comfortable in this league. I think it's something only to the effect that I think it nullifies both of them being um, predictable assets. I think on a given week, one of them is probably going to be flex viable. I think Zach Moss had what two touchdowns the previous week against the dolphins, but Singletary also had a good game in that one. So it just, you don't know what you're going to get on a given week with these two guys. 
given the fact that Zach Moss was a healthy and active in game one, and then Singletary got most of the carries the first two weeks. I just don't know if the Bills yet know who their primary back is, and you're not going to see enough volume. You're hoping that one of them gets into the end zone, and that's going to save your day. And I don't know if you can count on that necessarily in the way that you want in order to sculpt your team for success on a week-in, week-out basis. Odell Beckham Jr., nine targets, five catches, and 77 yards in his return. Something or nothing? It's something that he's healthy. It's going to be a wonder if he can stay healthy. It is fun. The game of football is more fun when OBJ is healthy and playing. Uh, That is for sure. But it's the health with him. Uh, Can that knee hold up? How did it um, react to all the games or all the gameplay that he had yesterday? That remains to be seen. But when healthy, I think he's going to be a big part of that offense. Is he going to go back to the OBJ of old? I don't think we're ever going to see that OBJ again, but it is something to see him get ten to, or nine targets. I think that he is going to have to be a big part of this offense because they just don't have another talent like him, particularly with Jarvis Landry being out for the next few weeks in the passing game. I mean, they've been holding it down with basically throwing to Kareem Hunt and Demetric Felton and the three tight ends, but they just have not been open with a lot of their passing game. And I think that a lot of that offense does run off of play action, deep shots, trying to do stuff that's working the middle to deeper parts of the field, places that he can go. I like the fact that he seems to have held up well with the knee. Uh, I know that he wasn't playing a ton of snaps because I guess he was winded from this game, but I like what I saw. I don't know if I would be comfortable starting him right away, depending on the situation. Although I guess they're playing Minnesota this week. It might be something that I'd look for in like a DFS because I don't know how many or what his number is going to be, but this is a, a situation where it was promising. I'd like to see it again like to see the Browns continue to go to him with that much target share. Justin Fields looking terrible, something or nothing. Bears are going to bears, right? The bears still <laughs> Man, suck. He, he got his ass kicked this past weekend. Um, what was it, like nine <laughs> sacks or something like that? Nine sacks, yeah, and Miles Garrett had four and a half of them. As a Packer fan, um, it's most definitely uh, something and something that I'm happy to see, but – as somebody that's a Justin Fields fan also and kind of wants to see him be decently successful, um, this kind of sucks, man. Uh, to go out there in your first start and get your ass kicked um, nine times you got sacked, um, that's a rude awakening. And that is something where you're going to be checking behind your back. So the Bears are notorious for ruining quarterbacks' careers, right, early and often and just taking away their confidence Um, Like I said, as a Packer fan and as a Packer homer, I hope that's happening. But as somebody that wants to see Justin Fields um, be a pretty decently successful quarterback in this league without beating up on my team, um, that kind of sucks. But it's most definitely something the Bears are looking terrible. I don't think there's a great option for them at quarterback because you put in Andy Dalton, you're going to suck. You put in Justin Fields, you're probably going to ruin your future. So uh, they're stuck between a rock and a hard place. And as a Packer fan, it's exciting to see. Um, but like I said, as somebody that kind of wants Justin Fields to be decently successful, it, it does kind of suck. Given what we saw out of Fields in the preseason and the excitement and fervor around him, you could understand why fans were confused when Matt Nagy said, oh, when Andy Dalton's healthy, he's going to be our quarterback. And then you saw this past game. I don't think that putting Justin Fields behind anybody on that offensive line is a good idea. 
I know he started and there's a lot of commotion that the Bears might finally have their quarterback and that fans are all up in arms about the play calling, but I don't think anybody could have survived that game against that offensive line. And that's exciting for me to see because in two weeks they're playing Green Bay. But right now that Bears offense is putrid. I don't know how the hell they made the playoffs last year, even with Mitchell Trubisky. It's a, a complete an utter surprise to me that they'd be even effective at all. And I'd be dumping every bears stock I have right now. If I could get any value back for it, especially in redraft, David Montgomery, uh, Allen Robinson, Darnell Mooney fire sale, just get them out. The fact that I drafted uh, Justin Fields in my redraft league is looking really terrible. If not for the fact that I also had Kirk cousins and he's at least had three productive games so far. Uh, DeAndre Swift, is he going to be a running back one for the year? Something I or mean, nothing? I think that's something. I think you made a, the all the point that need to be made earlier on in this episode. So, yeah, most definitely, I think that's something. Absolutely. I think, yeah, we did kind of talk about it already, but I think he's comfortably going to be inside the top 10. I think he makes a run at the top five this year and becomes one of the steals of uh, everybody's draft. Mark Andrews, five catches for 109 yards. It'll come from behind win for the Baltimore Ravens. Something or nothing? I don't know. This one I'm kind of on the fence with. Mark Andrews had an amazing matchup this past weekend. I think he had the best tight end matchup of the week. That being said, these first two weeks before this, he was kind of invisible. So, I don't know. He's a very good tight end. We know he's a very good tight end. Somebody that they paid a pretty decent amount of money to, but I need to see it more consistently this year because with tight ends, I mean, it can be there one year, two years maybe, and then be gone in the next. So I'm going to go with nothing at the moment, but I know how good Mark Andrews is. I'm going to go with something because how many tight ends in the league right now are getting enough volume to not be touchdown dependent? He's one of the very few. TJ Hawkinson's in that class. Darren Waller's in that class. Travis Kelsey's in the class by himself. Um, Waller to a certain extent might be as well. And Kittle, you would say maybe gets enough volume to be not in touchdown dependent, but that's about it. Everybody after them, you are hoping that they score a touchdown right now because they're just not getting enough throws or targets to be a part of their offense. Even Kyle Pitts, he's just not there. So on a particularly given day, I would much rather have Mark Andrews than most tight ends particularly where you drafted him because it's not going to likely be a complete zero. And I think this is more reverting to the norm than we saw in the first two weeks, but the Baltimore Ravens are not going to be throwing the football all around the yard all week, every week. And they do have two productive top targets in Hollywood Brown, if he doesn't drop the football and Mark Andrews. So I think that this is something, and I think this is the normal as opposed to what had been happening for the first two weeks. CEH, 109 total yards and a touchdown in this game. Something or nothing? I'm not buying into it. I can't do it. I refuse. So I'm going to go nothing. I think it's something, but it's, again, we saw running backs be productive against the Chargers two weeks ago with Dallas, and particularly running backs that are like CEH, Tony Pollard, uh, Ezekiel Elliott, guys that could catch out of the backfield. He didn't have a ton of catches in this one. He did catch one pass for a touchdown. He caught two overall, but still, I mean, he's not getting enough passing game work, but the fact that the Chiefs wanted to make him a thing, wanted to establish the run, gave him a lot of carries in this one, is a little bit more hopeful. 
I don't think he's going to be as efficient or productive, particularly if he still does not get involved in the passing game. So I, I just, it's something, but it's still not the something that I would love to see from a guy that we had so much hope for. Uh, Mike Williams, seven catches, 122 yards and two touchdowns for the wide receiver one on the week, something or nothing. Man, Mike Williams is most definitely. You've been something. waiting for this one. <laughs> You've been waiting for Dude. this one all day. Yeah, one of my better draft picks that I've ever made in life, right? Um, I think I got him end of the third round, beginning of the fourth round. Um, but this is three weeks in a row now. Mike Williams is most definitely a huge part of that offense. If for some stupid ass reason Mike Williams is still on the waiver wire someplace, that is who you need to go with. Um, but yeah, he is he's gonna continue to have a hell of a year. He's gonna continue to be a huge part of this offense. Uh, Mike Williams for the win. That is most definitely something. So had I suggested this before the year, I think it would have been crazy. But I'll just put this to you. Keenan Allen or Mike Williams, who finishes with more points at the end of the year? And that's so crazy. Like to even be having that conversation, right? We know Keenan they both Allen had is three better, productive games, but yeah. we you know, know Keenan Allen is a better wide receiver. Just from top to bottom, skill wise, Keenan Allen is a better wide receiver. He's the more technically proficient and probably yes. um, uh, more studious guy with the more experience, but Mike Williams is just a better athlete. Mike Williams is a freak of nature. He is. But um, I think that a size and God given, a lot more God-given um, size and everything more. But Mike Williams, I mean, the things that he's been doing most definitely these first three weeks, I think you go with Mike Williams. I think you would much rather have him than Keenan Allen right now. I'd say Mike Williams, too, if not for the fact that I, I swear he's going to have two missed games somewhere in this. And Keenan Allen's a bet to be on the field like all the time unless he has one of those yeah. weird freak injuries. And so that might agree. be the, yeah. the deciding factor. Mike Williams has yep. had some terrible injury history, but honestly, he's been the better wide receiver through three weeks. I know that Keenan Allen has been the more targeted guy, but he's in shorter in intermediate uh, passing yardage. And Mike Williams is just making big plays all over the field and the red zone target. Keenan Allen doesn't yep. get in the end zone a ton of times. And he's had it, I think twice in two or in three weeks, which is unusual for him. But Mike Williams is just putting up huge numbers looking like a huge star in the making for a guy that I think, what was it? He went seventh overall in the first round in, gosh, like 2015. He's finally putting it together. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. I remember, you know, um, in that draft, I was deciding who I needed to draft between the two of him and Corey Davis, you know, and now you have them both. So, and now I have them both. <laughs> Yeah, it was a long, strange trip to get to this point. <laughs> 51 passing attempts for Mac Jones, something or nothing? I think it's something because I, I hope he never gets to another 51, but it does show the faith that the New England Patriots have in him. Uh, they've handed him the keys to the car. He's going to be the quarterback, and he, he's, there's going to be growing pains, but he's most definitely the guy. So um, that is something, and I think it says uh, – like I said earlier, a lot about the faith that they have in him as a football player. If you can take away the running game from the Patriots, as the Saints did, and I would expect the Buccaneers will this week, they're going to have to throw to stay in games. And the Patriots have a reticence to try and spread out and really 
work the open field, really go to a shotgun approach and let Matt Jones basically operate in the way that he did at Alabama. So I don't know what they're waiting for exactly because that's how he operates best. Regardless, the fact that he was your leading rusher in this game and still threw 51 times is pretty devastating given how poorly he played. I think he had three picks on the day, probably should have been more. And you know, and it's got to be one of the worst uh, positions to ever put a rookie. He's going against the legend, Tom Brady, at home, where Tom Brady's going to break the all-time passing record next week, and you're going to have to match him throw for throw for you to win the game. I mean, how big a task is that? That has to be one of the worst feelings going into this week that I can imagine. Not to mention, it's going to be on Sunday Night Football. Boy, I, I, I feel bad for Mac Jones this week. Alvin Kamara, only four targets in a relatively good game. Something or nothing. I think, you know, Alvin Kamara is a guy that's never rushed for over a thousand yards in his career, right? Um, I do. It's a little surprising that he only had four targets, but I do think that this is going to happen more often than it's ever happened in the past. The offense is different. The quarterback is different. He is going to be a big part of the passing game. But I do think we are going to see some more of these games more frequently than in the past. The Alvin Kamara we're used to as a top five pick had eight or nine receptions per game and got a lot of dump off passes and was able to work out in space. That just does not seem to be a part of what the Saints are doing right now on offense. But then again, I don't know if we've seen the true Saints offense because they haven't been in a shootout game Yet, they had that weird game against the Packers. Then they were basically decimated against the Panthers. Then they had this weird game against the Patriots where they were leading most of the game and they had short fields. I think we have yet to see them sustain multiple offensive drives where we know exactly how the Saints offense is going to operate and that they have to put up stats. We just have not seen anything out of them that would say otherwise. This was a game where he was running the football a lot more than passing. But if you're expecting Alvin Kamara to be a top five back this year, I just don't see it. Uh, Saquon Barkley, six catches on seven targets and a touchdown in this game. Something or nothing. I mean, he's their offense, right? It's it's health that you're worried about. He's going to get the opportunities. He's going to get the run. He's going to get the targets. They're going to force him the ball. So target share is not anything you need to worry about with Saquon Barkley. It's how that knee is going to hold up. So most definitely it's something it's nice to see that he's getting healthier. You wanted to see it against a good matchup. You finally got at least something and some productive output. It wasn't the high marks that he got when he was picked number one or number two overall in the past couple of fantasy drafts. But this is a guy that's capable. He's starting to round into form. He's getting more comfortable. He's getting the majority of the carries and the and the uh, targets out of the backfield. It's coming, and he's going to have at least a few games where he's going to be the focal point of the offense. Daniel Jones has at least been adequate, even though the Giants are 0-3. They've been in most of these games, save for that first week against Denver. I just think that if you get some better matchups down the line here, I know the, the Eagles games are going to be a little tougher, but maybe Dallas that he'll be able to rip off and have some decent games. And we'll be talking about, you know, a, a pretty decent to successful Saquon Barkley. Again. I, I like what I'm seeing as it's kind of ramping up. Is it going to be elite? I don't know, but it's something. Cordero Patterson leading the Falcons and receiving something or nothing. And the Falcons are trash. We know this. It wouldn't surprise me if he led them in receiving and touchdowns and rushing yards all in the same year. I don't know what the hell is going on with the Falcons. <laughs> I, I like 
you're able to take away basically Calvin Ridley without having to do a whole lot, even though you still have productive wide receivers at other spots. Kyle Pitts for being this transformational guy gets three targets, but you're somehow getting a ton of work to Cordero Patterson and Mike Davis. I, I don't what know the what hell? the hell Arthur Smith is doing. Um, what the this, hell are you doing drafting Kyle Pitts that early if you're not going to use him? What the hell are you doing? He is by far probably one of the best mismatches this league has ever seen in a long time. Like he reminds me of a Vernon Davis type, but faster, but stronger, but a better bigger. receiver, but a better um, route runner. Yes, bigger. What the hell are you doing? <laughs> like he's the prototypical you... guy to be running out of the trips wide that everybody loves so much. The Kansas City Chiefs run that formation to death. You should be running that almost every single play, and they haven't done it. I, I don't you get can, it. You can suck. Like, don't get me wrong. You can suck. But what the hell are you doing drafting somebody that high if you're not going to use them? Use it on an offensive lineman then. Somebody that'll be there for a very long time that you can build a foundation around. Like, why are you using it on a skill position player if you're not even going to use it? This sucks. Like, as a Kyle Pitts owner, like, there's so much hype going into Kyle Pitts, which should have been. He's was we, you, me, you, Ben, we all confirm that by far he's the best player to take in Dynasty because of where he is, how athletic he is, and just how good of a freak of nature that he is. And it's so frustrating to watch, at least to this point, them just waste away somebody that's so such a difference maker in this league. Absolutely. We talked about this a little bit earlier, but Christian Kirk and A.J. Green over 100 yards for the Arizona Cardinals against the Jaguars. Something or nothing? We, yeah, we talked about it earlier. It's pick your poison. Like You need to decide what week, if it is a good week or not. For me, it's I think it's something to see that AJ Green still has a little something, something left in the tank. But can you bank on it week to week? Nah, I don't think so. I think we talked about it already, and my thoughts are already known. Let's move forward. James Robinson, six catches and 15 overall carries for a decent productive day. Something or nothing. I mean, we know who James Robinson is. He had a very good year last year. Do I think we've seen the best of him? Yeah, probably. But is he going to be productive and somebody that's going to get a lot of touches in that offense? Most definitely. So I do think that is something. It's something to build on. I was a little worried after the first two weeks that he was uh, somehow splitting a lot of carries and target share. This is a little bit more rewarding. The Jaguars were actually moving the ball a little bit more effectively. I think this is signs of better things to come. It's not something yet, but it could be in the next couple of weeks, given the right matchups. Uh, Peyton Barber, 26 total touches, 142 yards total, and touchdown, something or nothing? I don't know. What the hell is this? <laughs> this is the Vegas Raiders, baby. I'm going to go with nothing. I can't see him doing this again. Can you? Yeah. I, I can definitely see him doing this because, like, the Dolphins aren't a slouch defense either. You have to run against them in order to make it around. But, like, the Raiders, for whatever reason, they're a productive offense. And they're going to be playing, other than maybe Denver, like, the Chiefs and the Chargers can't stop a bloody nose when you're running between the tackles. At some point, you're going to get four games against that. As long as Josh Jacobs is out, this is something for me. Uh, Mike Gusecki, 10 catches for 86 yards, something or nothing. This is nothing. Uh, he does this. This is what he does every year. 
two weeks, he has a really good week. And it's like, oh, man, this is the next great tight end. And then every other freaking week, he does nothing. This is nothing. Absolutely nothing. You want to know why it's absolutely nothing? Because it was from yeah, let's fucking Jacoby Brissett. <laughs> he is not the starting quarterback for the Dolphins. And at some point, it's not going to matter. Now, if for whatever reason, uh, Deshaun Watson becomes the starter next week, then maybe it's something. But until that happens, nothing. Absolutely nothing. Tony Michelle, 20 carries for 67 yards, three catches for 12 yards. Something or nothing. I mean, as long as Devery Henderson is out, he's he's kind of the guy, right? Um, so, yeah, it's something. I think he fits in that offense really, really well. It wouldn't surprise me if he's more involved in the passing game as well. So, uh, something. I think it's something only for the standpoint that we know that Henderson cannot hold up for very long without being hurt. He just has a terrible injury history. And as long as he's out, we know that Michelle can hold up and that he's likely to get a lot of carries, be the volume guy. But even when Henderson's back, I still think he's going to be something enough to take away that neither of these guys is going to be terribly productive. Uh, Unfortunately, the volume is going to be eaten in. So you have to hope one of them is going to be out for a particular game moving forward for one of them to be a great play. I think this is slightly something, unfortunately. Tom Brady is a top five quarterback for the rest of the season. Something or nothing. Tom Brady is having probably one of the better years that he's ever had in his career, right? You can't really count the guy out. It's most definitely something with the offense that he has. It's his second year in the offense, just a better understanding of it altogether. All of the assistant coaches are back. Everything is the same. Uh, most definitely something. You know, I, Bill Simmons does the uh, teams I like to watch on League Pass every year for the NBA. There are a couple of football teams that I just love to watch and I would never bet on. Minnesota, the Arizona Cardinals, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, along with maybe like the Dallas Cowboys. Three, or excuse me, four high productive offenses that can't stop anybody on defense and are just going to give up tons of yards and passes. Seattle might be in there too. They're just really fun to watch because they're going to be back and forth games. And I don't care who wins. It's just going to be fantasy productive every single friggin' week. And for me, Tampa Bay is going to have to throw because they can't run the football and they can't stop anybody from throwing the football on them. What we saw in week one has been the same we got from week two and week three, and they're going to need to, because of how beaten up they are in their secondary right now, uh, basically throw a ton in order to stay in games and probably win games. But Tom Brady can do it. So his passing volume is so high and his offense is so productive. Yeah, he's going to be a top five quarterback. And I don't know why we thought any differently in his age 44 fucking season. God, he annoys me. All right. Alexander Madison, 32 total touches for 172 yards, something or nothing. Uh, this is nothing. We know Madison is probably one of the better handicap, uh, handcuffs in the league, but that's what he is. He's a handcuff. He's a backup. As soon as Delvin Cook comes back, he goes back to the bench. So, yeah, if you can grab him as a handcuff, great. Uh, but don't expect this consistently because Dalvin owns that backfield, and there's no chance of a Zeke-Tony Pollard situation happening in Minnesota. No, but this is something for me only in the effect of there may be four guys total in the NFL that – if the first guy goes down, that the backup is going to be almost just as good. And this is one of the situations. Tony Pollard's the same. Uh, I think that if maybe Aaron Jones went down, A.J. Dillon could be very productive for the Packers. You know, guys like that. There are maybe five guys total, and this is one of them. And we just saw another peak performance because we've been saying for years that he could take over right where Delvin Cook left off, and he did. 
Kirk Cousins' third straight 30-point game. Something or nothing. Well, as terrible as that defense is, and as much as he's got to throw the ball to stay in the game, this is most definitely something. I don't think it's going to get any better anytime soon. It is surprising to see him put up such huge numbers three weeks in a row. That's something to me. But yeah, uh, him being consistently pretty decent with two very good wide receivers as well, um, that's something something you can probably bank on. They've got two really good wide receivers. They've got a decent tight end. They've got a decent third receiver. They've got two productive halfbacks. This is going to be a good offense that's going to have to score and throw a lot to stay in games because that defense is still terrible. I think this is something. All right. uh, Before we go, let's go to the good, the bad, and the ugly. My good this week, Josh Allen reigniting. What was your good? Mike Bloody Williams. Consistently now, three weeks in a row. Uh, Mike Williams, I think, is here to stay. My bad. Kansas City's turnovers. I think they had four of them in this game, including an uncharacteristic Patrick Mahomes one at the end of the game that basically cost them. Uh, That is my bad for the week. What was yours? My bad is New Hopkins ribs. I'm sick of the injuries. Um, He was really taken out of this past game. Pretty non-existent. Um, The game is much better when the elite players are healthy. Um, New Hopkins ribs. That's why I didn't start Amari Cooper, because he's apparently got the same thing. And my ugly for the week, the New York football Jets. Oh, my God. Can any franchise be worse than the Jets? Yes, they can. The Chicago fucking Bears. (laughs) (laughs) But see, here's the thing. If Mason Crosby misses that kick at the end of the game last night, they're tied for first in their division. That's, That's not saying much. The, any other team, the other team in that league is the Lions, okay? And then the Vikings. Like, come on. Come on. I hear what you're saying. I do. But the Bears are just an abomination right now. Yeah. Pickups, <laughs> streams, stashes, and drops. Top pickups of the week for me. Guys that were going under 50% in Yahoo leagues. Chuba Hubbard, Tim Patrick, who I've said it before on this podcast. There are at least one, if not two, Denver wide receivers hurt every year, and Tim Patrick steps in and produces in another big game yesterday. He's a guy that you should at least be considering on a flex stream basis because it looks like Denver's going to be a really good team this year. Brian Edwards, Gio Bernard, who got it going for Tampa yesterday, although they were playing from behind a little bit more. A.J. Green, Hunter Renfro had a big game for the Raiders. Sam Darnold, we already talked about, and Emmanuel Sanders had two touchdowns and was the big productive wide receiver for the Bills in uh, a relatively great passing offensive day for them. Top drop candidates for me, I have Darnell Mooney. Frankly, any of the Bears that you can't get any value or return for, I would drop. Jonu Smith, who was uh, out-targeted by Hunter Henry yesterday, Uh, I think it's pretty clear at this point, even though they paid for both, that Hunter Henry is going to be the more targeted tight end so far. Ronald Jones, again, Tampa cannot run the football, and he is in the doghouse badly. Kenyon Drake, who barely saw the field compared to Peyton fucking Barber. And finally, I put down Baker Mayfield because I just don't think the Browns are going to have to throw the ball a ton in order to stay in games. It'd be nice if they got into some games where they had to be in some shootouts, but you would have thought that against Kansas City in week one, and that just wasn't the case. So if they're going to run the football a lot, I just can't see him being productive enough to make him valuable to keep on your roster, particularly in redraft. So uh, any I missed quickly or closing thoughts for the week? 
Nah, man. Um, it's good to be back with you here after the week off for me. It's good to be back talking football. It's uh, good to be kind of in the middle of the fantasy year. Not middle, but you kind of know what your team is going to do. Uh, you kind of know what you expect out of them. So that's exciting. It's it's just it's it's good to be here. Yeah, next week is already the quarter mark. Yep, yep, quarter in. How you feeling about your uh, dynasty team so far? You put up a lot of points this last weekend. Well, two of the three weeks, I've had the second best score in the league, so I think I'm okay. My running back position isn't great, but I'm basically holding it together with paper mache like it did last year. I think yours <laughs> has clearly been the best team, but it depends on what your depth is going to be. If New right. or Dalvin or, you know, Devontae Adams start missing some strategic games, Kyler gets another shoulder injury, who knows? That might open up the door. And I've got a lot of depth on my team, so particularly at wide receiver. So yeah, I'll come shopping whenever I need to. Okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll make something happen yet. Yeah, you're going to gouge the hell out of me. <laughs> Receivers uh, galore, people, if you want to shop. I, I love you, Tommy boy. <laughs> I know. Love you too. Thank you to all the listeners and Dynasty players out there. We appreciate you. We will be back again later this week, but until then. Until then, be safe, everyone, and I will talk to you on Thursday slash Friday. If you'd like to contact the show or have a question for us, please write us at DynastyDownload10 at gmail.com. Also, you can now follow us on Twitter at DYDownload2020. Find every episode of the show at dynasty-download.captivate.fm. And as always, please follow, rate, and review the show so that more people can discover that Dynasty Fantasy is the best form there is. This podcast was mixed, produced, and edited by Thomas Duncan. It is a production of Ronnie Duncan Studios. Our music is thanks to Purple Planet Music. Our technical provider and distributor is Captivate FM.